Hey everybody, I'm Jack Grimsey alongside Robert Lintot, and we'd like to welcome you back to another episode of the Holtcast. Of course, we're with 7500 Holt discussing all the latest in Aston Villa news. So, I mean, we had two matches since we've talked last, I guess, Robert. Lost to Palace, and then a crazy cup victory over Notts County. Let's start with Palace. All right, uh, that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly. <laughs> Uh, Villa didn't score a goal unless you count Adama, and the scorekeepers don't. Yeah, at the time, at the time, it looked like he was going to get it, but then on when you saw the replay, it was clear that it was an own goal on Suare. But I mean, Chari deserves the credit for making it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Takes the ball at about the halfway line and blows past three defenders on a run all by himself. Uh, a run that Gabby Agbonlore has sweet, sweet dreams about and could never pull off in real life. Yeah, throwback Thursday. One time Gabby did that, but not anytime <laughs> recently. <laughs> it was actually a run that sort of reminded me of every once in a while, Benteke would get into sort of fuck it mode and just decide to do it all himself. And it looked sort of like that. Yeah, but it was never that quick. Yeah, that's true. I was, he, it was just a blaze. He was gone. Yeah, and absolutely, and and everything we had heard from Sam Tai, from everyone who had scouted this guy, about his dribbling skill being out of this world and his ability to take on players was proven true in those few seconds there. Yeah, and usually when you see someone dribble, they knock the ball on and run after it, but and sometimes it gets away from them. That's kind of the the disadvantage of trying to speed dribble, I guess. But he was, it looked really under control. Yeah, absolutely. There was there was no problem there. Uh, it's, as a few people pointed out, the only possible downside to that that thing is he set his expectations ridiculously high within minutes of coming on uh, and, and made us all think that we actually have a Barcelona first team player. Yeah, I mean, he looked much more direct than anyone you really see at Barcelona generally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was it was an absolutely incredible goal. A great, great run. Um and and so for whatever else happened in that match, that's going to be the highlight for me. Is just watching that thing over and over again. Yeah, and it was it was kind of a dull match. First half, obviously no goals, not a lot happened, and that goal came about thirty minutes into the second half. It was just six minutes after Palace had opened the scoring Scott Dan with a header from a corner and bad defending, really bad marking on that set piece. Yeah, I, I'm so torn because as everyone points out, you give up goals from corners every now and again, but it seems, and I don't have the statistics to back this up, but it seems as if Villa give up way more goals from corners than most. Yeah, and it's, it's not as bad as maybe it was two, three years ago, but it's still less than ideal. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it was a well-taken, well-taken corner, well-taken header. Um, I think Clark could have done a little bit better there, but, you know, sure, whatever. Uh, give up one of those, it's fine. It was that second goal that was just a travisher mockery. Oh, yeah, it was, it was totally avoidable, and it was even uncharacteristic by Villa standards of giving away a bad goal. Like, Guzan had rolled it out to Amavi, who obviously called for the ball, and, I mean, it's, it's something we're going to continue to see just because Jordan Amavi has an affinity for dribbling past defenders. You think he beats that man and maybe lays it off, plays a 1-2, gets the ball back, he's at midfield. You know, you can't... You can't be mad about the intention. It's just the execution was terrible. Yeah, and the problem was he called for it, and, and the Palace defender was just barreling down on him. He didn't have time for any fancy footwork. He, you know, almost the second he had the ball, he was dispossessed, it seemed like. 
Yeah, it was like half a touch, and, and Guzan's got to recognize that when there's a defender there, you can't do that. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think most of the blame for that goes to Amavi. But, you know, even if he called for it, Guzan should be able to look and go, mm -mm, no, but thank you. I'm kicking it long like I do every other damn time. Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, why, why did he roll it short that time? Yeah, it's his distribution is increasingly becoming a liability. And I know I said the exact opposite last week, that he looked better against Manchester United. Yeah, that but was a <laughs> yeah, but this this was this whole week uh, with Guzan against Crystal Palace just showed his weakness at getting the ball out of the box. He's a great keeper in the box. He's great at actually stopping. He's horrible at starting. Yeah, and the thing is, his his reaction after that was poor. His positioning wasn't the best when Bakary Sacco finished right there. He, he was able to put it by him, and Guzan, I think he was just a little too close to his near post. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was really really bad. Yeah, well, we'll talk uh, more about the goalkeeper situation when we continue on to the cup match. I guess a couple a couple of last things I want to mention here on the Palace match. Uh, the midfield, I think, Idris Agana, Carlos Sanchez, and Ashley Westwood work really well together. Yeah, absolutely. Idris Agana is looking good. It wasn't his best game yet, but Ashley Westwood and Carlos Sanchez, my God, but the two of them played wonderfully against Palace. Yeah, yeah, they did, and um, then let's let's talk about Sanchez because he was playing so well, and, and it was just a really weird substitution that he came off. Yeah, two weeks in a row, too, because the, the week before against United, Sinclair was playing really well and got pulled off, and Sanchez starts playing really well and gets pulled off. With Sinclair, it was like, okay, sure, you took off a creative presence, you stunted the attack a little bit. With Sanchez, you just really opened it up because he was bossing that midfield. And taking him out just left a huge gaping hole there behind Ghana and Westwood. Yeah, especially for a forward-thinking player, Adam Atraore, who is obviously not going to do any sort of defending, especially not in the middle of the pitch. And if Sanchez was on a yellow, okay. If you were going to make another sub right after and put on another midfielder like uh, Jordan Veratu, okay. Or even if you're you're going to throw in Hutton, I mean, excuse me, uh, Nathan Baker into the middle of the defense and go five at the back, whatever, just try to bunker, okay, and just pinch Adrissa, Ghana, and Ashley Westwood, whatever. But it's it's not what happened. Sherwood only used one sub, which was lamentable. Yeah, let's uh, let's put a little soft toss here. I'm going to lob one at you, and you hit it out of the park. If you're going to bring on Adama, who should he have replaced in that moment? Hmm. I think there's really only one choice, and that's Gabby Aguanlor. Yeah, so what the hell is happening with Gabby? He he looks worse than he ever has right now. Yeah, he did, and it, I mean, it, it's unfortunate he didn't play in that cup match because it means he's probably going to play against Sunderland this Saturday. Yeah, he's going to get a little time against Sunderland. Um, how in the hell did he get 90 minutes? Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, it's just like after he took off Sanchez... Sherwood decided he was sticking with the other the other nine outfielders that he had started with. Yeah, which seemed crazy given the fact that this was a day in which water breaks were had in both halves. Um, you know, this was a day in which obviously fitness was going to be put to the test, and he only used one of his three subs, and he left Gabby flipping at Balnor on on the pitch. Yeah, and let's look at Palace's substitutions. Uh, Alan Pardew brought on Dwight Gale for Wilfred Zaha on 46 minutes, and Jordan Much also on 46 minutes for Glenn Murray, swapped out two forwards, and then later in the day, obviously just, just eight minutes left, he brought on Mile Jedinak for Johan Kambay. 
Yeah, absolutely. It was it was smart substitutions from Pardew. Um, yeah. The problem with Sherwood was he didn't respond in the slightest. Um, and exactly. I think you could make the argument that Sherwood lost that match as much as the players did. Exactly, and it's something we've we've seen previously from Sherwood. I guess if you if you look back, thinking about that three three against QPR last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It was the same sort of thing. Hopefully, Gabby was bad enough that you know maybe it's like hitting Sherwood across the nose with a rolled up newspaper. Maybe he'll learn eventually. Yeah, exactly. If the, if that's what it took for him to see the light, that's fine. I mean, it's just one match. And yeah, exactly. We we went down. Initially got an own goal, which it wasn't really a fluky own goal, but still an own goal nonetheless, and then conceded at the end. So, yeah, it was it was a rough day out at Selhurst Park. Um, and and I, I guess on Gabby, he had a great chance to open the scoring. Yeah, he did, and totally muffed it. I think I think he had two chances. One was just absolutely amazing, and I have no idea how he missed it. The other one, he wrong footed it. I think. Oh yeah, one one completely missed the ball, another just rolled it to the keeper. Yeah, it was. I mean, I I honestly do not get why he's still getting playing time. I at this point, I would rather see Charles Mzabi on the pitch than Gabriel Kwamwa. Yeah, and and someone who wasn't even in in the eighteen was Libor Kozak, which sure you're going to go with Rudy Justed up top, but have him on the bench. Jordan Ayew also on the bench, and although. He hasn't had a great start to his Villa career. He still he still was fresh legs, and at that point, on a hot day, you're going to need to rotate. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know why Kozak isn't getting time. It is, it is inexplicable that Kozak is not getting time at this point because he was, along with Scott Sinclair, our best player in the preseason. And, yeah, it's preseason, and, yeah, it's a little bit meaningless, but that kind of form is not fluky. He looked great. Yeah, he was still finding the net, scoring decent goals, and building confidence, which is obviously something this team lacks. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it was all around really bad managing from Sherwood on Saturday. So come Tuesday, he turns it around and gives us a uh, starting eleven that you have charitably described as. Yeah, as, the YOLO, the YOLO formation, because there really there was no defending. I talked about it a little in the the tactical preview I wrote with. Only uh, Jordan Veritu was defense-minded from the six players not designated in that back four. And the back four, it had Kieran Richardson, who's played in midfield quite often, and also Carlos Sanchez. Carlos Sanchez, midfielder, and Alan Hutton, hunk of junk. Yeah, Hutton the captain. Captain Hutton. Like, what? (laughs) Come on. One of the most bizarre lineups I've ever seen. So... I really sympathized with what Alex was saying because Alex was running the site Twitter that day, which was, you know, I get that everyone's flipping out because we're shipped three goals to a League Two team, but we shipped three goals to a League Two team with a back line that had precisely one person who might actually start. Oh, yeah, yeah, and we could have shipped six. Yeah, oh, God, yes. It was it was bad, but, I we, mean... We probably should have netted ten, but... Yeah, um, yeah, that was the thing. The The attack was there. Uh, and we didn't get to see it, but according to all reports, the first penalty given up by Bunn probably should have been a red card. Yeah, I, I did actually see the highlights, and it was kind of in the in that top corner of the of the eighteen in that area, and there was a defender tr- like charging back. Bunn was coming out, and he he clipped the player, 
uh, it could have been a red. It, it would have been. It wouldn't have been the worst red I've ever seen. It would have been similar, I guess, to the red Thibaut Courtois received when he took out Bafetembi Gomes on opening day this this season. Yeah, um, and then by all accounts, the penalty that allowed us to equalize and send it in extra time shouldn't have been a penalty. Yeah, that that was also debatable. I mean, I guess I guess you have to be happy that the match was at Villa Park. Notts County really protested that, and again, not um, really the firmest of of penalty shouts that Villa had. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm not too I'm not too worried about it. It was ever get any penalties though, so it's, it was seemingly right. But, I mean, it was a team that you're never going to see that starting 11 on the pitch. There were a couple of players out there that, you know, were just getting fitness. Jack Grealish, by all accounts, looked fantastic. Oh, yeah, definitely. If I, I mean, you probably saw the highlight of his assist to Adama Chara for his first actual Villa goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just really... knifing through defenders, pulling four of them out of the way, and then just slots it. And didn't he have the assist on one of Sinclair's goals, too? Yeah, I believe he did. Just put it right past the uh, no, or what? No, who was I think it was him. Just put it right past the keeper, and the keeper just couldn't do anything. Just stood there and watched it go past him, with an, an entire net behind him. It was great. Yeah, and thankfully Sinclair is a very competent finisher, and especially from the penalty spot. It was funny. I was actually I watched the NBC documentary on Swansea Jack to a King, and when uh, Swansea actually came up when they won that promotion playoff final against Reading. At Wembley, Sinclair made two penalties and just clinical. Yeah, and and he looked great. Uh, his second hat trick this month. Yeah, how about that? I mean, that's a hell of a month there, and yet somehow he didn't get the start uh, against uh, Palace. Uh, that has to change for this weekend, right? Sinclair yeah, he, has to start. Even though he played 120 minutes of football, it, it absolutely has to change. I mean, he, he had the day off on Saturday, so, you know, whatever. Let, let yeah, him play. Yeah. It's, it's early in the season, you know. Exactly. If, if ever there were a time. I, I mean, at least yeah. give him 60 minutes. Yes, absolutely. If, um, if we don't use the three subs this Saturday against Sunderland, that's just going to be terrible. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's um, But Sinclair had that nice game. You mentioned in your notes that you didn't like the look of Bun from what we saw. No, it was, it was just kind of a joke because he's a pretty good-looking dude, and he just wasn't. <laughs> I was but, letting you set up that joke. I was trying to help you there. Yeah, yeah, um, because obviously the, he received the yellow on that challenge that the penalty was given away, and it was literally on the stroke of half time. I think it was the last kick of the match. or the last. Yeah, it was, it was, you know, hold it for 10 more seconds, guys, and we go into the half with a draw, I believe it was at that point. We would, yeah, yeah it was 1-1. One, one. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and I mean, it, it was break after break. Listening to the game, it sounded more like a basketball game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're going to do Twitter questions a little bit later, but there's actually one of them that I think is uh, appropriate for now. Uh, Ellis, from our very own site, Ellis Sanford asks, does Joe Bennett have a future at the club? And I say it's appropriate for now because goal number five came from Joe Bennett on a clinical finish. Yeah, and he started off in midfield. It was a great run. Yeah, and, uh, and just absolutely slotted it in. Yeah, carved up the defense and slotted it from kind of like the left side of the top of the D all the way over to the right post, banked it in off that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so does Joe Bennett have a, a place at the squad? Yeah, I think he does, and, and we're going to talk transfers a little bit, but I think um, I think 
Tim Sherwood wants to move Kieran Richardson on. He'd like to, and Joe Bennett then would be second choice behind Jordan Amavi. And also, I think he he has a could stake a claim to be played in midfield if we play a four four two, just a flat four four two as that left midfielder, because mm-hmm. obviously he's shown something going forward, which which people have stated in the past. And also, if we play with wing backs, I think he's another player who's an option there. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And I, I think having him around could be a nice boost for the club, uh, yeah, which is really weird thing. to say because think of what we thought of Joe Bennett a year ago. Oh, exactly. But I was just going to say he got out on loan for a year and just, I don't know, takes time to develop. You know, like, yeah, it's like a lot of the players that Paul Lambert bought and a lot of them gone, like Matt Lowden, still a lot of them were really raw, even if they had played almost a full season of Premier League football, they were playing bad football. Yeah, and, and, I mean, it's, it's just going to take some time. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Joe Bennett does have a place at the squad. It was a nice match, uh, and and the result is we get to move on to the third round against Blues. And at home. At home. Uh, thank God it's not at St. Andrews. Last time we went there for a League Cup, it didn't end well. No, it, no, it did not. And just <laughs> looking back at the, the FA Cup run last year, we had a lot of matches at home, and... I mean, it's it's a slight revenue boost for the club, but I think it's just more of a big advantage to be able to play at home. Yeah, and slight revenue boost goes out the window for uh, this match because Villa Park will be sold out. Yeah, yeah, definitely not just the twenty one thousand like we saw against Notts County. Yeah, there's if Villa Park isn't sold out, I will be disappointed in each and every one of you who can go and don't. Yeah, I will be disappointed in the Blues fans that don't go. <laughs> I there there has to be a joke there. Come on, at least fill the way and like. But uh sorry, I, I totally lost my train of thought. But yeah, no, it's uh, what do we think? Uh, is is this? Oh, and it's going to be on TV. That's what I wanted to mention. Are you looking forward to Blues? Oh yeah, yeah. We haven't. I mean, we haven't had a chance really to play them. I. Been I have mixed absolute overwhelming joy. I was so irritated because I had to go somewhere, but I had promised Alex I was going to write up the draw and, and the thing, you know, extra time and then penalties in the final match of the day. So the draw ended up being like 50 minutes later than it was supposed to be. Uh, and I was just like shaking with giddiness after we saw that because I'm really excited for it. But I'm also dreading it because the thought of playing blues for the first time in four years and losing horrifies me. Yeah, just also because who knows the next time we're going to see them, just like this, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 almost the exact same feeling I had about playing West Brom in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Yeah. It's, I think it's, it's you're excited true. for it, you want that win, but the idea of them celebrating on Villa Park's pitch is horrifying. I mean, at, at least, I guess, this is the League Cup, excuse me, the Capital One Cup, and also... Um, it's, it's pretty early in the competition, too. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it wouldn't be devastating to the season to lose to them, but it would be devastating from a moral standpoint to lose to them. Um, yeah. I, I think it's something that should be winnable. This this is a team that should gel by then, and they've got a lot of chances to do so before yeah, then. We, we've got Sunderland, we've got Leicester, we've got West Brom. You've got winnable, gelling matches to come. Hey, and we might have an inside man, because apparently... Birmingham's manager is a Villa fan. He's a Villa fan, yeah, exactly, as it should be. Yeah, no one, no one although, likes. Uh, <laughs> although, didn't uh, didn't Tim Sherwood grow up an Arsenal fan? Would that explain the FA Cup last year? 
Yeah, I'm, I mean, that would explain the, the win ratio at Spurs. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh. God. Uh, so, yeah, Blues, we will definitely cover that more as it gets closer. I mean, there isn't much to say right now other than the fact that, holy crap, it's actually going to happen. Um, so, yeah, there's that. You want to hit the Twitter questions? Yeah, yeah, let's let's uh, go to the Twitter questions and start start from the bottom. I guess we got, a, we got one. Uh, I'll start with the obvious predictions for Saturday from ABFC Wallpapers at Villa Wallpapers. And uh, as, as you know, we don't do predictions, or as you might not know, but... Um, we, so, the, so we the told I, them that. Yeah, sure. we told them that, but it, it wasn't good enough. But, <laughs> well, I guess I guess we'll save the prediction for for the at the Sunderland time. But last time we actually did make one, and I said over two point five against Palace, and for a while it didn't look like that was going to hit. <laughs> it did unfortunately it did? I would have been happier to lose that bet. Thanks and to some shambolic defending, Jack was proved correct. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but then ABFC Wallpapers came back with uh, thoughts on the cup game, the resulting tie against a certain Birmingham side, and and we're both agreed. We're wildly excited, correct? Yeah, yeah, massively excited. I think it, will, it should be just entertaining and a great day for Villa fans, and hopefully a horrible day for Blues fans. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed the one from Rock Strongo, at Good Opinion Man. Wild-ass predictions for transfer deadline day. What you got? I think we're going to sign somebody. I, you think I, we'll sign somebody? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I think there are still a couple outs that need to be dealt with, which we're going to be talking coming up. But I think that means there's also going to be an in, at least mm-hmm. one in. And depending the Damachara injury, um, could be another another attack minded player. What do you think of uh, the Roma winger? Who's last yeah, name Logic? Adam Yajic. Yajic, thank you. Got yeah, it. <laughs> I, the, the links keep popping up, and it's a really exciting player and. Obviously, tormenting Kirsten, which, if you've seen on Twitter, because she loves Balkan players, and it's it just seems too good to be true, but hopefully it's not. Hopefully it is true. Yeah, I, I kind of think that one might actually happen, um, and, and I think it could be a good move for the club. Uh, my wild-ass prediction is going to be that Chelsea actually end up spending $40 million for John Stones. You know nothing, John Stones. I think, I think it comes down to Everton because they just don't want to let him go. But the thing is, you can't let someone go unless you have replacements. And if they could buy a center back for twenty million and bank twenty million, Everton would definitely do it. It's just who. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I hear Ron Vlar is available. Yeah, but he's he's not going to be able to play until January. <laughs> Minor detail. And even that. Uh-huh. Is it even? Can you even consider it playing? Like, oh God, no. Um, no, I don't know. I think my favorite thing about the whole John Stones saga is I get the feeling that it's not Everton really want John Stones. It's that they just want to say fuck you to Chelsea. I, um, yeah, that's that's got to be some of it. And, and and even if that's not what it is, that's what I'm pretending it is because that's much funnier to me. And it's it's almost because Chelsea don't even necessarily need Stones. I mean, certainly he would improve the defense in the long run, maybe a little bit this year, but. I mean, do do they really need him? Mm-hmm. I think nothing would make me happier than Everton continuously rejecting Chelsea and also putting Stones on the bench. Yeah, he played against Barnsley actually in there, and they required extra time to get through that. But yeah, yeah, if if, if they just benched him and said we're freezing you out, okay, I'm not sure how long of a contract he's on, but I don't know it'd be either. funny if he had four years left. It would just kill me if if. 
Everton were so spiteful that they were like, we don't want him, but you can't have him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. For us. <laughs> I'm a spiteful human being. Uh, so, But my crazy-ass prediction is that they end up paying somewhere 30 to $40 million for stones. Yeah, uh, I thought that the they don't really need. Hmm? I thought the offer was forty, and they and was it? Stones put in the transfer request too, and they were just like, "No." <laughs> How do you say no to forty million for almost any player? Seriously, like, I did you enjoy the fact that uh, Spurs put in a thirty million bid for Barahino? Oh, I mean, really? Because yeah, first it was twenty-two, and he put in a transfer request himself also, and I think West Brom said no, but. That's just because you got to milk Spurs, but also Spurs are they're going to hold out to and to a certain extent. I think that's going to be the highest they're going to possibly bid for Barry. You know, I just and, love the fact that they are. You know, if they actually do that thirty million bid, they're two point five short of what they could have gotten Benteke for. Exactly. Benteke is way better. Just just shows that Spurs lost the plot, but. Anyway, like, they, you know, West Brom had a figure they were going to sell Barahino because they bought Salomon Rondon from Zenit for, what, I don't know, 15 or something mm-hmm. million. And he's a really good striker, and he should be able to do the job adequately for them this season. Yeah. I mean, if it, Let's see. they could just go down. Mm-hmm. They only have one point from three games, so he was hoping the baggies go down. Yeah, and how? <laughs> uh, we also got from Greg Gregerson at Ethan J. Greg. Uh, what would be the best formation to play Hill, Grealish, and Adama at once? I've been thinking about this since I saw that tweet, and I can't come up with a good answer. What you got? Uh, I think 4-3-3, Grealish falls 10. So with Hill and how would you line that up? Well, you, you'd have to use a striker. In, it's kind of like what I did in the, in the tactical preview, but I don't know. Or, or just just go with four two three one and play them at the, at the attacking mid spots. Keep it easy, and then yeah. play, play a proper striker. I could see that uh, four two three one. I thought maybe. Yeah, because um, then, you, then you have Ghana and Westwood there sitting as the two, and then you put Rudy up front. So pretty much a Yolo lineup at that point again. Mm, yeah, but it's two defensive mids and just using using. Um, I mean, I guess you could use Grealish as the left wing because I think you want to play heel centrally. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so okay, a four-two-three-one. That's what I came up with too, and I didn't love it, but I guess you're convincing me. I I could see a four-two-three-one. Yeah, or you, yeah, I mean, you could. I think you could uh, eliminate the striker and put Grealish as the or as a false nine, not as a false ten there, but. You could you could use heel as the I guess you'd have to use you could use heel as a false nine just make him messy. Yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, we got from Chaz Rad at Chaz Suplex Rad. What will it take for Lambert to finally give up on Villa and mind his own business? My answer is death. What you got? I was gonna say a brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, or a hobby, something like something else. God, I so so the thing that prompted this, in case you haven't seen it, is Lambert has been kvetching about the fact that it makes him laugh that Tim Sherwood has been given so much money when he was given so little, and everyone pointing out that Tim Sherwood's net spend is something like six million this year. And Lambert knew that coming in, because mm-hmm. that was his job was to just chop the wages and not to win. Yep, absolutely. So Lambert, you're uh, someone on Facebook called him this. It's my new favorite pejorative. Someone called him a cockwomble. 
I don't know what it means, but I love that one for future use. That's a good one. I don't know what it means, but it's amazing. So Lambert, shut up your damn cockwomble. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. <laughs> All right, and we have one other Twitter question, and this one might be the most important one from Travis E. King, writer over at the Short Fuse. Yes. Uh, what's your favorite protein to put in your bowl of pho? Pho? Oh. No. Pho? Hmm? No pho. Oh. Yeah, so the appropriate, the best name for a restaurant is the PHO King, so that you can have the Pho King. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So, what's your favorite protein in Pho? Uh, something that's not chocolate. Not chocolate. Um, I don't know, banana muscle milk. Banana muscle milk. Do you know what Pho is? Yeah, it's a Vietnamese soup. And so you're gonna put banana muscle milk in there? Yeah, because chocolate would be the only thing that'd be worse. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, I was gonna say flank steak, but uh, banana muscle milk. There you go. Flank steak flavored protein. <laughs> do, do you, oh, okay, okay. Sorry, 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 sorry. I thought it was a protein powder. <laughs> have you ever eaten pho? I had. I yeah, just like a couple. So weeks you, you put meat in your pho? Yeah, usually. Or chicken. Or well, chicken is a meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I thought I thought you meant like protein powder. Oh, I'm so glad I, I chose to actually oh, read this. Not chocolate. <laughs> I was really confused as to why chocolate was a protein in the first place. Uh, no, flank steak is is my preferred protein for pho. All right. Well, not banana then. <laughs> not banana. I, I, All I right. Beef's okay. That actually might make Travis happier than any serious answer you could have given. Yeah, I think, I think so. Job done. <laughs> the exchange we just had. Uh, boy, howdy. I hope he sees that. Um, Fucking chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> you sound so gross. Chocolate pho. Uh, yeah. Transfer deadline. Let's talk about that a little bit because we got that coming up on Tuesday, which, holy crap, I am not ready for that. No, that's that. It's escalating quickly. And Alexander Tonev, he just left today. Finally, someone, uh, someone if, on Twitter said, "Is there a fee paid for him?" And I responded, "I would gladly pay someone to take him." So no kidding. Um, if you haven't, go look on our website. The story for Alexander Tonev, I wrote it. It's not that great. The comment section is absolutely flipping fantastic. Bunch of comments, essentially, of the uh, of the fact that now that he's in Italy, he might be able to finally hit the net at Villa Park. Oh, I was thinking now that he's in Italy, he could just put his racism to work. <laughs> but, I think most people avoided that, luckily. Well, uh, I, I or, read it before the comments came in, unfortunately. Or who was it? I think it was uh, Thomas of our site, Tom Jones, who said uh, that uh, Tonev kicked a ball up into Rosie and went to retrieve it and realized he'd actually kicked it all the way to Italy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're signed for a team that just did a double promotion, so have fun next year in Serie B. Yeah, they're the uh, they're the Italian Burnmouth. It's their first ever season in Serie A. Yeah, I'll, I'll root for them to uh, I, I don't know to draw every match because it's Italy. <laughs> uh, what about Charles Nzogbia? Do you think he's with us by uh, this time next week? No, I don't think so, and that's because finally some links are popping up for what was it, a Qatari club or a mm-hmm. Saudi club? Um, he's going to go the way of uh, Brett Holman and head to the Middle East. Yeah, and Brett Holman, I feel like he came back to Europe after a year there. Maybe. But um, I don't know. The Middle East, I would go to the Middle East. You'd get paid. You'd get paid yeah. a lot of money. 
Yeah, and, and plus you get to train for the upcoming World Cup. Yeah, exactly, and probably a lot of drinks breaks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Nzogvia's off, we think. Uh, what about Cinderos? Hard-headed Cinder goat. Cinderos, it was that, that <laughs> gun goat. I mean, if, if, if gun goat's still around the club, which obviously he is, Cinderos, <laughs> that only means Cinderos on the way out. But um, I think if, you know, if that two million link had popped up, that seems like a lot for someone we got for free, but good. If Even if we get rid of him for free, cool. Because yeah, now uh, with Mike Richards in there and Jose Crespo in there, yeah. Yeah, get, get rid of him. You said Kieran Richardson earlier. You think Sherwood would get rid of him uh, before Bennett? Yeah, I, I think he's looking to move Richardson on before Bennett at that point. And Richardson, he's still somewhat useful just because he provides the utility to play in multiple positions, but... If you're gonna if you're gonna move someone on, move him on, and I don't know, get a youth teamer in the eighteen every week. Yeah, uh, the best thing you can say about Kieran Richardson is that he is incredibly competent. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he just he's, he's gonna go. He out there does his steps. job. He's he's not as mistake prone as I thought he was. Uh, he's he's competent. He is he is like a zero wins above replacement player in mm -hmm. baseball. You know, he is. He is the average player. Although yeah, I think yeah, an average Yeah. Exactly. That's what I mean. Like he goes out there and his match rating is gonna be a six. Yeah. <laughs> uh Serbian name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yayek. Thank you. Yayic. Jesus, I keep wanting to call him logic. <laughs> it it would be good logic to bring in Yayic because if I mean, especially if Libar Kozak goes out and he turned down a move to Celtic who just didn't qualify for the Champions League, so it made sense that that deal fell through because just because of a money standpoint. But, um, yeah, it's, it's it's unlucky that Kozak's not going to get a chance, and it's increasingly looking like that is, is the scenario. Yeah, absolutely. Although, if everyone keeps sucking as much as they do, Sherwood may have no choice but to use Kozak. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'd, I'd be in favor of that. Like, just, just give him a chance. Like, run him out there against Sunderland and see what see what happens. Yeah, you can run a lot of people out there against Sunderland and see what happens, and I think they'll fare decently well. Exactly, it's Sunderland, and Kozak did get 50 minutes in the cup, didn't score, but... Yeah, but, you know, that's fine. Everyone else was scoring. He didn't have a chance because Scott Sinclair was hogging all the opportunity. Yeah, rightfully so. He was just sticking in the net every time he touched the ball. <laughs> uh, how about that Sunderland match, though? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about it. I I put it in in the notes as a must win with a question after question mark after that because is it a must win? I I think it could be. I I'll, I'll buy it as a must win. Um, because listen, I think we had a nice little grace period. I think Crystal Palace are better than they ever have been. Losing by one goal at Selhurst Park, I don't think it's a shame this year. Losing by one to Manchester United is totally okay. Um, but okay, that's the grace period. Now we're hitting this run of matches that we really need to start winning. Sunderland. Leicester doesn't look like as much of an easy win as I thought it would be, so we've got to try to win that. If, no, but they're gonna they're gonna tank, especially after the international break. Just, I mean, they're yeah. gonna You've got to you've got to pick up some points where you can, because you know we've got a nice little string of decently easy things here, and that of course means that there are tougher times to come. Get the points while you can, and enjoy them. So it's not it's not strictly speaking a must win. This is not going to determine the fate of the season, but it feels like a must win. It feels like we need to get that momentum back.
Definitely, yeah, that's exactly exactly was my reasoning is why I think it's a must win as well, just because um yeah, like like you're saying, we it's you're not always gonna have a stretch of matches that's Leicester City, West Brom and Sunderland. Obviously mm-hmm. Sunderland coming first, but yeah, and and it's at Villa Park. You get you gotta make Villa Park a fortress. Yeah, absolutely. Um I think it'll probably be a sellout again. I think this is you know, this is Sherwood's chance coming up here. If he can start, if he can go, he's got like a month that if he can just win out for the next month, he will be a hero forever. Yeah, yeah, because by that, I mean, we'll be sitting pretty if you can, I mean, if you could just somehow get to 30 points by Christmas, like you're basically in the clear, you can tinker yeah. your squad a little bit in January and go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, today you put up on the site your tactical preview of the mound. What do you think Sherwood should really be doing against Sunderland? Um, I mean, playing playing Sinclair, I guess, for one, it's not like Sunderland's uh, obviously not a particularly overwhelming side, but Jermaine Defoe hit a hat trick. It was against Extra City for them in the cup, but they still have some dangerous players, and I mean, we're probably going to concede a goal, which means you got to score two, and unfortunately, I wrote that Gabby Agbonlahor is going to play, even though I, I don't want to see him, but I think he's going to play. And hopefully so it's wrong. Do you think this could be uh, Gabby's last chance if he actually does start? Uh, no, just because someone's going to get injured. But <laughs> but I mean, his, his last chance if all things are working to the better. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Like, like, even if you're Tim Sherwood, you pretty much have to say, dude, if you can't do anything against Sunderland, sorry, get the hell out of here. Yeah, and I mean, technically, there still would be time to sell him, but I mean, we know that's not going to happen, but... God, no. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I saw someone comment on our Facebook page because uh, James posted our fantasy post for the week from Never Manage Alone. James put that up there and said, "Should you pick Gabby?" And someone wrote, "I wouldn't even pick Gabby for the Blues. I don't hate them that much," which was the best Gabby comment I have seen in ages. Oh my god! Oh my uh, god! Just it killed me. Loved it. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think if all things working to the better, if he does get the start, this is pretty much like do something or else you're done. Yeah, yeah. Do I mean, do or die for him just as much as a must perform as it is a must win for Villa. Yeah, absolutely. That said, I would have thought the exact same thing after Burnmouth, after Man United, after Crystal Palace. And, you know, never, he keeps getting played. So yeah, maybe chance, Sherwood isn't thinking the same way we are. Chance after chance, and as they, they just continue to go by – and he continues to receive them. Yeah. You focused a little bit on the defense in your tactical review. Do you think there's any shot at a clean sheet here? Oh, definitely. And just because it's that that first choice back four of Leandro Bakuna, Micah Richards, Kieran Clark, and Jordan Amavi, they're starting to build some continuity. And, I mean, it's just another match. They're going to all be back together. They all rested. And so did Brad Guzan. A little bit of time to think about what they did wrong and – you know, I, I, that's always going to help. I've sort of gotten to the point with Richards where I'm expecting one heinously stupid mistake per match. Do you think he's good enough to make up for that? I think so, as um, as long as um, the mistake doesn't lead to a goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would totally agree. I think he has been overwhelmingly good, and I do think each match he's had at least one really stupid mistake. And nevertheless, I still rate him as one of the best players on the squad right now. Yeah, and like against Palace, we saw him just in the attacking third, mm-hmm. and not when we were behind. 
Yeah, he works his ass off more than anyone on that team. Oh, undoubtedly, and probably deserves the captaincy for it, but and just because of his pedigree, but you know, you still I was really dubious of him getting the captaincy when it was announced, and boy howdy has he has he changed my mind on that. Yeah, as as was I, and like like you said, he's proved his worth and with so much squad turnover, it's not like anyone else really deserved the captaincy. Maybe Kieran Clark, but Kieran Clark would have been my first choice, and he yeah. he would have been my vice captain, too, instead yeah, of Gabby, Gabby yeah. yeah, club captain. <laughs> Gabby makes uh, up crappy because he's terrible. Yeah, um, but yeah, so I I think this is the it's a chance at a clean sheet. I I think this could be the match where we see everything gel. I maybe I'm just being optimistic and really hoping a lot, but Sunderland are junk. Oh, they're yeah, hot garbage. Like. What like, point so far? They lost twice. Somehow they managed to draw, and it's and and it just seems like Advocat doesn't care. No, and it seems like everyone wants him out. And it looked like he was going to leave over the summer, but somehow didn't. Yeah, he announced he his retirement, and they convinced him. If someone says I'm retiring, why would you spend the money to keep them around? Especially if they're not like world-beatingly good. No kidding, because if if he retires, he's not going to take a buyout to leave. Like, you're not yeah. going to have to sack him. Yeah, no. I mean, like, if Sir Alex Ferguson says I'm retiring, maybe you say, no, really, could you stick around for a couple of seasons? If Dick Advocat and you're Sunderland and he says I'm retiring, you say, okay, see ya. Yeah. Have fun in losing. a warm climate. Like, cool. Yeah, exactly. You're not losing much. Bring on Julier oh. or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you just want old, cranky Europeans. It was a to- totally weird situation. Um, yeah, they they look like a mess this year, and I don't ever want to say any match is easy because none are, especially for Villa. But um, this this is a real opportunity at the very least. Yeah, really, really, like I was saying, the only players that really worry me, Jermaine Defoe, Jermaine Lenz, if, if he's fit, he could be dangerous. If if we give away a stupid free kick situation, Seb Larson obviously has a good right foot. Former yep. who knows, but and and the the midfield of Jack Rodwell, Jan Mbia, that's not terrible. But you know, John O'Shea is a defender. They do have a, a two meter tall Fanta Lemon in goal. But <laughs> um yeah. you know, that helps. He can stand there awkwardly yeah. and wave his arms. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just the scarecrow. I don't know. <laughs> do what you do. Let us let us have some goals, dude. All right, since since this prediction worked out for you last week, we'll set the over under at two point five. Yeah, let's let's do it. Let's well yeah, let's 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 say we're gonna we're gonna do it ourselves. We'll be able to manage it. You, you, think, you think Villa can can hit the over 2.5 on their own? I, th- I think they can, just judging by a recent form against Sunderland. Uh, think about the 6-1 and the four goals in one half. Yep. Uh, I, I think I would take the over on this one as well. Um, I, I, frankly, I don't know how Sunderland haven't been relegated. Nor do I. Every year they keep escaping. Um, they, Although, you know, the same could be said about Villa for the past four years. Oh, un- undoubtedly, but Sunderland, I mean, cool. Now it's early season, they can tank, and then late in the year they can beat Chelsea or someone, get the points <laughs> that they need. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, so this is the opportunity. This is the chance for Villa to actually 
say, okay, that was fun. The first three matches, you got your bearings, and now let's actually play some football. Yeah, and then the, the international break coming up after this match will be will be off for a bit. I mean, Robert and I will still still be around. We'll have a pod for you. But I think it's coming at a decent time, if only because it gives Adam Atriari a little bit of time to heal and come back. Yep, absolutely. It gives everyone. Because it seems like we've got just a couple of players right on the verges of being back. Like if Carlos Hill doesn't play this week, by the time the international break is over, he should be back. Um, you know, Yoris Acorda should be closer to being back, which bumps him to number three on the, you know, on the, on the depth, depth chart. Yeah, I don't know if you read my article. I snuck that in there. But, uh, right. uh, yeah, and after 300 minutes of football in seven days, it's going to be needed. Right? Yeah, what, absolutely. So yeah. They'll, they'll need that break. Uh, I'm really kind of eager to see what happens this weekend when the England squad is named because everyone's favorite former Aston Villa midfielder can't be chosen because he's injured. <laughs> uh, he actually played for City. Did he? Yeah, yeah. He got, re- he got, what, 20 minutes, 10 minutes? Oh, yeah. Crap. I was really hoping that England were going to be so pressed for injuries that they'd finally notice Ashley Westwood and that Ashley Westwood would forever keep Fabian Delph out of the England squad. That would be legendary. Uh, nothing would make me happier. I know it's a pipe dream, but I'm going to have that pipe dream, damn it. If, if that happens, I think you just give Westwood the armband. <laughs> Just, just on general principle, you earned it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you made everyone as happy as could be, so you've earned it. Yep, that that deserves a captaincy. Um, Has Richards played well enough? Do you think to get called back to England? In, in a defensive crisis, I mean, I think if if he has a good half season, maybe around the time, maybe around January, we start to see him in the England squad picture. Yeah, maybe. Uh, if he keeps yeah. playing like this for the rest of the season, I think he could sort of force his way back into that discussion, maybe. Yeah, and then the same goes for Scott Sinclair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, if Scott Sinclair can do two hat tricks a month for the rest of the season. And then the, then the real question is going to unfold is, is Grealish going to choose Ireland or England? <laughs> I, I like the idea that Grealish will just never choose and never play international football. It'd be funny if he somehow just became eligible for Scotland and just... <laughs> <laughs> Screw it, I'm not deciding. Listen, I just want to spend more time with Alan Hutton, okay? Captain Hutton. I I was going to go play for Ireland, but then I remembered Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane, and I said, fuck that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's pretty weird situation there, but um, yeah. Yeah. So, well, that's all I got for the week. You got anything for uh, last thoughts here? No, I don't think so. I think we, we wrapped it up with the, the Sunderland match and the international break. I mean, we said it's a must-win, and I guess we've predicted that. But, um, yeah, anyways, we'll, we'll have all the coverage for you. That's going to be at, of course, 3 GMT, 10 Eastern, and 7 Pacific. 7 we're still, Pacific. still on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, YouTube, of course, where a lot of our views are coming. And thanks to everyone who's been a recent liker of the Facebook page. It's really exploding. So thanks to James Rushton for managing that so effectively for our site. And, of course, that's where we'll have all the coverage of Aston Villa for you at 7500theholdcom So for Robert Lintot, I've been Jack Grimsey. Thanks for listening to The Holdcast.